This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being, being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. yoga entered my life, this theme of wanting things and not getting them and instead getting the opposite has been one of my great enlightenment lessons. Using the eight limbs of yoga to process these situations is what I consider climbing the mountain on the journey to enlightenment and peace of mind, says Laura. Valeria Teldez interviews Laura Moon. She is a yoga and meditation teacher, the creatrix of Chilltown Yoga, writer and speaker. Laura Moon is the creatrix of Chilltown Yoga, a mobile and online yoga studio she founded at the Barrow Mansion, a historic landmark in downtown Jersey City in 2016. Born and raised in Manhattan, New York, she has made Jersey City her home for the last 25 years. She gave up a 20-year career in media to teach yoga full-time. Her training as a journalist inspired her to share her yoga and meditation insights via her blog, Seed, a Mindfulness Guide. A 500-hour EYT Yoga Alliance certified yoga teacher and continuing education provider, Laura has been practicing yoga for 30 years. She specializes in teaching Ashtanga yoga and Yin yoga, as well as providing meditation instruction. Laura offers yoga to everyone because she feels yoga can be practiced by everyone, no exceptions. Her motto is move, breathe, be. Laura can teach all shapes, ages, and ability levels how to move body and breath with precision to comfortably embody yoga poses, avoid injury, and meditate with ease. She has studied Ashtanga Primary and Intermediate Series with David Swenson and David Williams. Laura certified in Ashtanga Yoga with Multidimensional Yoga School NYC, Yin Yoga with Karina Benner, Chakra Yoga with Anodia Judith, and Yoga of Awakening with Sean Korn. She learned meditation styles and methods through yoga and as a practicing Buddhist. Laura focuses on teaching how to practice yoga consistently, safely, and with devotion to achieve physical well-being, emotional balance, and personal transformation. Her classes emphasize serenity, ease, and fun with enough meditative space to achieve peace of mind. Meet Laura at chilltownyoga.com and lauramoon.com. Here's the interview with Laura Moon. In your own words, who is Laura Moon? Well, at this particular moment in time, in this incarnation, she's a... She's she, and she's a yoga teacher in Jersey City. She's having a pretty good ride. She escaped a corporate job, so yay. And um, 
yeah, her second career, second act as yoga, yoga teacher. Right. Oh, I want to hear the story in that. I'll be asking you the question in a moment. <laughs> but before that, you mentioned reincarnation. That caught my attention. How did you come to that understanding, Lara, that this is a reincarnation or that there is life after death and mind continuation? Yeah, well, I was raised a Catholic, so they believe in the afterlife. And then when I got to yoga, they, you know, I was exposed to a different philosophy of uh, the afterlife and reincarnation and multiple lives coming back. So that was fascinating to me. And I don't know, you know, I don't know if it's true. And also, you know, in my, my studies in Buddhism as well, also um, multiple lifetimes and the whole basis of uh, practice, you know, is to be liberated from (laughs) <laughs> the wheel, the wheel of of this suffering, right? This constant suffering of being reborn over and over, samsara. But some people, some people, uh, I don't want to say like that. But some people take a vow, right, to um, to keep coming back to help others. Bodhisattva vow in Buddhism, and um, they want to help, you know. So they practice harder, harder and harder to keep coming back, so that everybody can experience that liberation from. Um, you know, typically meditation, those people, that's what they're doing it through. That's the vehicle they're using. But there's all different kinds of ways. There are so many different concepts, ideas, and belief systems when it comes to spirituality and this human experience, interpreting, right, and explaining what this is, what life is. What would freedom be, like the ultimate liberation, taking the view from Buddhism, when all of us have been liberated then what would happen then? There would be no more human experience? Not the way we know it, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. I don't, um, you know, I, I am definitely not a Buddhist scriptural scholar, but um, from what I understand, it's, it's definitely not going to be samsara anymore. It's, I like to think it would be, it would be, I don't want to say good times for everybody or nirvana for everybody, but <clears throat> Let's just say not samsara for everybody. And I don't know what that looks like. I would like to think it looks like people would have healthy solutions to their problems, big and small. Yeah, right. Um, right. That wouldn't have negative consequences for others. Yeah, that sounds like a beautiful vision. And it seems to me when you talk about earlier about having this beautiful experience here, and you sound very joyful to me, peaceful and joyful, all that good stuff. So that sounds to me already like liberation. It's a whole new day, yeah. yeah. <laughs> 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 right, right. And the idea of enlightenment, Lara, what is your understanding of that? Well, you said it, liberation. That's the same thing, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, there's all kinds of descriptions of it across all the different traditions. But I think they all probably can maybe agree on that. There's um, that quality of freedom, liberation of uh, from these inner demons that plague you, you know, mm-hmm. um, whether you want to call it sin or Mara's or... Uh, skandhas or you know whatever whatever you want to call it they're all to me it's all kind of 
we're all in the same group. They're holding you back and they make you sick. And um, all these traditions have found really, really effective ways, you know, prayer or yoga or chanting or mantra, meditation, um, asana to relieve them, you know, and they should be chanting in the world. (laughs) We all suffer from that, those things. It's the human condition, you know, it's the human condition. So it sounds to me in the way that enlightenment, it's a practice and it's not a destination. Oh, God, it's a journey. Yeah, I hate that that phrase, yoga journey, you know, or um, enjoy the journey. And I, you hear that so much um, in the yoga world and on, on those uh, yoga, like, gifts and whatever. I was going to say posters, but nobody has posters. Yeah. <laughs> I'm showing my age, you know, but, right? Like, whatever people have instead of posters, yeah. that's, that's the thing, right? Enjoy the journey. And it's always... The truth, those 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 uh, annoying little sayings, slogans, and things—they're true. That's why people put them on those things, coffee mugs, and you know, mouse pads, whatever, because they're true, and people can relate to them. And uh, nobody owns them, you know. Nobody owns spiritual truths. That's why you find them. That's why, you know, I grew up a Catholic, and certain parts of my religion really appealed to me, but other parts of it drove me same and then when I came across yoga and started to um, learn more during my teacher training about not just the asanas and body alignment and body mechanics but philosophy yoga philosophy you know the Upanishads and the Vedas and scripture and just beautiful things it just oh this is so familiar it's because spiritual truths never change, you know. Integral Yoga's founder, Swami Satchidananda, I did a lot of yoga. I was first exposed to it out in Oregon. But when I came back to um, New York, I did a lot of yoga at Integral Yoga in Manhattan. And Swami Satchidananda said, uh, um, truth is one, paths are many. That's Their sign is everywhere with that, right? And I love that because it's so true. And they have this big lotus um, petal with all the faiths, like symbols of all the faiths in the petals. And then there's like one that's just like a bunch of stars. It's like faiths yet unknown. I'm like, that's true. Who knows? You know, there's there there's things out there that we don't know that people might develop or that are even being uh, worshipped right now that we have no idea. You know, everybody thinks that we know. You know, the extent of our knowledge is is already been reached. Like, we're not even close. Mm. Uh. (laughs) You know, I don't think so. Wow. I don't think so. So nobody owns spiritual truth. Yeah. That's an interesting statement. I agree. Another question I have, the initial ones, is about balance. How do you define what balance is? Mm. I mean... Yoga was what helped me define what balance was because I had no idea. And right now I I would define it as uh, having an awareness of your body, your mind and your spirit, what all those three things need for you to function at an optimum level and to know what is the optimum level. What does that feel like? What does that look like? And how do I achieve that? So that whole process like understanding what balance is, feeling, understanding the feeling of balance in the body, mind, and the spirit, and then like being able to achieve that. So yoga helped me do that. And that's just so interior. That's the whole, like it's an inside job. 
yoga is you do it in a room with a bunch of people a lot of the time, but you're so inside yourself or you should be if you have a good teacher, you know, they're directing you inward to pay attention, to be in the room, to be present in the moment. Yes. And you are connected to all these people. You're sharing the energy in the room with them, but you're also in this deep internal state. And that's how you figure out what balance is because you see what's going on in your body and you will like the first thing that's going to do happen or what happened to me and which might generally happen, I think, um, to a lot of people, if you develop a, a real yoga practice is your body might start to freak out. Like you might get really sick a lot first, you know, because you're purifying a lot of stuff and you're detoxing and then you're going to have this, oh my God, glorious health period. Maybe, maybe generally, generally speaking, you know, or other people might have, you know, it could be like a Catholic mystic saint, you know, you might not be able to walk for a few years, but you might have incredible visions of, I don't know, you know, the Virgin Mary, you know, like you might lose something, but gain something else in place else. Right. You know? I love the idea that life, it's very supportive of itself, like we see in nature, it's, um, I mean, it really looks like it has perfect balance that is in, in harmony. And we are not apart from nature, but we human beings have, you know, we have lost the way to balance. And when I say that, it, it really goes back to what you have been saying. There's a connection within, just defining, finding, or uncovering what it means to be in a human body for ourselves. For some reason, we have, um, most of us, um, hopefully not all of us, obviously now, which is wonderful to see, that are engaging. Most of us don't engage with that. We are actually, we run away from going deeper and we stay at the surface. When you talk about spiritual balance, that caught my attention too, Lara. What would that look like? to be spiritually balanced. <laughs> yeah, nobody knows, right? Because that's not a thing we develop, really. I think it's getting more uh, traction or exposure. <laughs> exposure, spirituality is getting exposed. It's so pathetic. God needs more exposure. Um, yeah, no, I think it's getting, um, people are becoming more aware again that, oh, this is a really important part of me that I, I need to become more aware of and I need to, get in touch with and I need to commune with it and I need to understand it and see what it means to me and develop a belief system around it or not, you know, decide I don't give a shit about it, whatever, but I need to look at it. Yeah. I need to look at it because for, um, you know, really until I think like about the 19th century ish, like modern times, people had deep, deep spiritual beliefs. And it was what drove them until, you know, really like, uh, I don't know, maybe the industrial revolution when like things became more like, I mean, look, money, everybody loved money for a long time too, but, but really, you know, the church and everything and like spirituality was, was, was another way of holding power, but it also, it, you know, I was in Spain recently and it was the Feast of the Immaculate Conception. And that's a belief that the church came up with, that the Virgin Mary could never, ever have been born in sin, original sin, because she gave birth to Jesus, you know, that saved the world. And it's like, it doesn't matter. You know, any of the contradictions that people came up with about, doesn't, they don't care. And they parade the statue of the Immaculate Conception through the streets and crowds of people 
follow them. And it's beautiful. It's just the most beautiful thing. And the energy coming off of it, it's like, how could you not want to follow that through the streets? Like they just, it's like, it's adoration, you know, it's adoration. And when you have that kind of energy over something like that, that's not like, how is that hurting those people to worship that versus what um, an iPhone, you know, to work, walk like around, like, like with your head bent down, looking at that versus looking up at this, like, image of the goddess i don't know call me crazy you know i uh i kind of lost the, the the thread there but i just i you know you have to have something bigger than yourself because if you're the son of your world yeah. your world's gonna be so tiny mm, yeah it's so true because <laughs> you can't you can't so shine true. on yourself right so can true. you no mm. you need others you need others and you need something I don't know. You, I, I just don't see how it works. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense to me. So <laughs> the way I interpret what you said is following the heart and not the logical mind all the time, although we need both. But it seems like the, we can have thoughts inspired by, by the heart, which means love, kindness. There's something about it that it really sounds and feels spiritual if if there is such a thing although i believe everything is spiritual i just think we've starved that part of ourselves for so long and thrown other things at it that that don't fit it's like square pegs round hole you know you can't put an iphone in the spiritual box because it doesn't fit you know only like the the image of the virgin mary or or a yoga or uh, whatever, Buddhist, or uh, whatever it is you love to do. It doesn't even have to deal with a deity. You know what I mean? Anything could be a meditation. You could walk around your neighborhood and that could be your bigger than you practice. You know? mm. People so can be so creative. If life had one purpose, one purpose only, what would that be, Lara, from your perspective? Oh, you've got to find your the thing you're supposed to do and do it. And uh, it should, um, well, it will entail helping others because that's how you find satisfaction in life. That's the only way. It really has to entail that. And it doesn't mean you have to go out and become a nurse or anything, you know, or, or like waiter, you know. It just means that whatever it is you're good at that you love to do, that will be some component of it probably. Um, you should do it because only you can do it the way that you do it because there's only one of you. There will only ever be the one of you that is you right now. And only you can do this thing that you can do. And there will only be this one time for you to put it out in the world. So do it and share it with people because there's somebody or several somebodies or maybe hundreds of millions of somebodies, who knows, that are waiting for this thing that you have. Mm. Oh, that's a beautiful message too. Very inspiring. So you don't see one grand purpose for humankind. It's individualized, right, Lara? Well, that's it for everybody. If everybody was doing, you know, that, yeah. mm. I think we'd all be in a much different place. <laughs> oh, true. <laughs> yes. No. Yeah. We would all feel it's... much different, right? There wouldn't be overwhelming depression and anxiety and whatever. Like there, we would be much happier. You know, when I ask this question to most of my guests, what is the purpose of life? I hear that a lot. Maybe everybody said that. That is to find what moves you, what 
lights you up and, mm-hmm. and do it. And I found mm-hmm. that most of the things that makes us feel alive, truly alive, is to help others. So it's connected with this idea of doing something we love and helping others at the same time. So it's almost like this giving and receiving movement, mm-hmm. which is love. Yeah. yeah. Isn't that funny? That always it goes back to that, to that totally. idea. Hmm. That's interesting to see because this is something that I have been doing for a while and I see that. It's so clear to me now. So let me ask you another question. I could go on and on and on with these questions, so let me select them. (laughs) Healing. What is healing to you and what are some of the misconceptions we have about healing, Lara? Well, yoga is a primary, was, is, and hopefully will continue to be a primary part of my healing journey. It definitely started with the mind for me and, you know, went into the body. Um, I think everything just kind of needs to break down a bit first. You know, you need to surrender. Surrender needs to happen in order for healing to occur. And um, I think a misconception is that just because you say or think you want to heal, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're ready, you know, just because, oh, I've got to get this past. I just want it to go and I'm going to go do all this stuff. Well, that's not the way it works. You know what I mean? Just because you're done with like the guy or the job or the parent or whatever it is, it's not, you know, it's not on your timetable. It's on the timetable of like grief and loss and all that stuff that like lives in your body and your mind and that stuff has its own timetable, the way it works through your body. And there's a whole other set of uh, factors that are involved in how long it takes that I could spend hours going into. And it's individual, it's every person. So there's just, you know, just be, I guess, uh, if you want something like that to occur, just have an open hand about it as opposed to a clenched fist. Like, you know, just see an experiment and rather than, okay, by this time I'm going to be past it as opposed to, oh, maybe I'll try this and see what happens, you know? Yeah, I love this Mm. openness, yeah, being open. So I wonder how do we know, how do we learn to recognize when we are ready to heal some parts of ourselves, some of the suffering, the pain that we carry? Um. It's so weird. These things aren't things, you know, I've really put words to. It's so interesting. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, You know, for me, it was a massive crisis, a major breakdown of everything I thought about myself. So total ego decimation. <laughs> and then it was like once that idea of who I thought I was was gone, excuse me, I could see, oh, wow, what's there? I don't know. I don't know what's there. And then it was like, well, anything I could, I could be anything, anything could be there. Well, certain, and then it became a little clearer, like, oh, certain things are there, you know, like, oh, yoga's still there. Oh, right. I love yoga. You know, oh, I still love to write, you know, that's still there, All sorts of things, you know? So it just, it really just depends. It just depends on and time, you know, over time, it's, you just, you're just, Things just happen when you get triggered and it could be anything. You know, somebody says something, your kid, 
your kid by, you know, mistake, like knock something over and you have an out of proportion reaction, you know, or, or, or you see something or, or you're consciously like, Hey, you know, you have a conscious thought, but sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's subconscious, a dream, you know, maybe therapy, any number of ways. But for me, it was like, because I was so deeply in denial too, it depends on that as well. Like <laughs> yeah. it was like, wake up, gigantic mallet on the head, wake up, you know, so it depends on the person. <laughs> uh, it's so true. Yeah. This is, is not something that we can create this template, right? For everyone to follow. I absolutely agree. And that was the inspiration for you to become a yoga teacher and meditation teacher, right, Lara? No, the, it just happened. I didn't want to do any of this. No, no, I had no intention of being. <laughs> I wanted to be like a Pulitzer Prize winning author by this point in my life. You know what I mean? I had no intention of being a yoga teacher. I had no, like, as, if you had asked me this 10 years ago, I would have laughed so hard, you know? It's like, oh, those are hippies. I'm not a hippie. Um, the new age people, no. Even though I'd been out in Oregon and had been around a lot of that, um, that's where I got exposed to yoga. You know, the only reason I took a yoga class was I was on an, um, an exchange program and I needed a PE credit. And the only one that was equivalent with my college and this college that I was at was uh, yoga. And I hated to sweat. I did yeah. not like athletics. I was not an athletic person. I never played yeah. a sport in my life. I grew up in yeah. a city. I just walked everywhere. That was my exercise. Right. So I looked up yoga in the dictionary and it had mm -hmm. like passive sitting, stretching. I was like, great, there's no sweating involved in this. I'm going to take that one. And I did it. Yeah. And, and there was this woman, she was so petite and she had a helium voice, you know, when people that have like that high pitch voice, but she was so perfect when she did the yoga relaxation, the yoga nidra at the end. And I walked out of that class and it was like, I didn't walk out. I floated out and I was, I felt like I was beaming like the sun from every pore in my body. I had never had a feeling like that. It was incredible. It was incredible. So it was powerful, you know, and um, ever since that, it, it, you know, things get implanted in your body and they just never leave. And I was just fortunate. And it was the early 90s. So yoga was having a resurgence. It was one of those points in time where yoga was having a resurgence in the West. And I just happened to catch it. And, um, you know, it's not like I had a continuous practice after that. It took a long time to uh, decades for that to happen. But um, that was when the seed was planted. So yeah. oh, you, know, wow. you just you just never know when the healing is gonna <laughs> I love that. Yeah. That uh, being open to life and just let it it happen, just being present to what is happening and open, hopefully. I love that idea. Also, you are the creatrix. I love that name, as I mentioned uh, off record, instead of saying founder or creator, <laughs> the creatrix of Chill Town Yoga. Talk to me for a moment about that and also the intention. What was the intention behind creating this? So I, right, so I um, didn't want to be a yoga teacher. <laughs> so I opened a yoga studio. No, I, um, that's really what happened, though. I started doing yoga again and uh, in, like, um, the late 90s. And I uh, had this major crisis in about major, uh, major crisis in about 2008. And then 
yoga really resurged back into my life. I developed a regular practice. I got really healthy. Everything was great. And um, I had a great job, you know, but it just, the yoga just took over. And I had a fabulous teacher at, at one point towards the end and he taught Ashtanga and he taught it in a way that no teacher had ever taught it for me. And it really, um, it just, it just entranced me. And, um, and that really was when deep cellular healing took over because that, that was, that was like a body, mind, spirit change level of yoga transformation. Ashtanga is really powerful, you know, really powerful system. And, um, a lot of surrender occurred. So after that, I, uh, I was like, well, I can't do this yoga, uh, this, this corporate job anymore. I can't sit at this desk anymore. Like my, my, my body is saying, what are you doing? You can't do this anymore. Like literally to me, like we can't do this anymore, you know? So I, I just, and it was crazy because this was the best job I'd ever had, you know? And I actually liked it the most, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but at the same time, I could also see, oh, I really don't like it that much because it still has all the nonsense from the other jobs like this I had. So I just made the decision. And then once that happened, it was like all this nonsense started happening at the job. And it was so much easier mm. to want to quit mm, it, you know? <laughs> it was so yes. interesting. It was so funny. And uh, <laughs> and then it was like, okay, I'm going to do this yoga teacher training. That took forever. And it was intense. It was intense. It was more tapas. It was way more tapas uh, than I had ever expected. Purification, right? Internal burning off of like the dross, like the impurities, right? That's what it is. And then my friend and I, this woman that I uh, I knew from um, yoga practice, I was like, let's open a yoga studio. She's like, I don't really want to do that. And and then she <laughs> did it anyway. <laughs> and she dropped, she dropped out. And uh, it was just me. I, I just knew that I couldn't, I didn't really want to teach. Not that I couldn't, I didn't really want to, but I knew that I couldn't do the corporate job anymore. So I figured yoga studio and where I lived in Jersey city at the time, there was only one yoga studio and my friend owned it and she wanted to sell it. And I came very close to buying it, but, um, I didn't because it wasn't uh, a good decision for me at the time. And then, uh, and then I did the, the yoga teacher training and that took a while, like I said, and then, by the time it was over, I was uh, teaching in um, a community space, a historical, it's amazing, it looks like an old mansion. It is an old mansion, uh, the Barrow Mansion in Jersey City. It has a lot of healing energy because a doctor owned it. It's a great place. And um, yeah, Chilltown, because Jersey City's uh, nickname is Chilltown. That's why I, yeah, it's an old nickname of Jersey City. So I named it that. And um, it's been so much fun. And when the pandemic hit, I was, um, you know, I've been trying to find a space for myself, a permanent space, because I rented the Barrow Mansion, a room. But, um, and it's a beautiful, the Barrow Mansion is an incredible space. But, you know, you want your own thing. And now, between now and then, um, 2016 and now, there's been a huge amount of yoga studios that have popped up in Jersey, right? Huge. Because yoga, yoga has had this huge, like, surgence, right, in the, in the mainstream culture. So... I, um, I'm like, I can't afford any of these rents now because Jersey city is so popular. And then the pandemic hit and I was like, wow, look at all these yoga studios closing. It's kind of a good thing. I didn't rent a studio, a more permanent space, you know, because, um, 
a lot of my my friends' places closed. And that was a tragedy because they put, you know, yoga studio owners, it's a labor of love. Those those people aren't making huge amounts of money. They're doing that because they believe in it. And they want to help people. So I'm online fully. And my uh, intention, it developed over time, you know. Like I told you, I just wanted to get out of my desk job. I didn't even want to be a teacher, but I felt like, how can I have any credibility as a yoga studio if I don't even know how to teach it? I don't think that's right. You know, who owns this studio? Oh, some chick that didn't want to do a corporate job. You know, that didn't sound good. And then I would have to have a really serious business model to hire teachers. So I just figured, well, I'll just do it. I have this great teacher. He'll be able to teach me well. So here we are. Yeah, how beautiful. <laughs> oh, I love the way yeah, you speak about these things too. When you say, I love that. Doing yoga is, is a labor of love, so it's not about results. Well, the, the studio owning, yes. Yeah, I mean, it's owning. not that, that studios can't be profitable. Right. I just think um, yeah. you, need, you need to have your ducks in a row. But, uh, but yeah, I'm online now. Chill Town's online. And um, that, was, that was actually really cool, you know, the pandemic. I really like teaching in person much more. And I have jobs in um, fitness facilities uh, in my neighborhood, and I've taught corporate yoga in places. That's, that's cool, too. Those people need yoga just as much as anybody else. But I love teaching um, my classes online. You know, people show up, and we just have fun. But teaching in person, there's nothing like that because the energy, you know, you're all sharing the energy together, and you create this thing, and you can push it out into the world and give it to people, you know, help people. It's, you can dedicate it. That's awesome. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, the, the energy is definitely different. Let's see. So I wanted to understand more. Like We're almost at the end. I have so many questions for you. I would <laughs> love to understand more about the eight limbs of yoga. And I know oh, you're sure. passionate about it. So there are yeah. other kinds of types of teachers, uh, yoga teachers and and yoga teachings that don't include the eight limbs? So, okay, you know, there's all different kinds of yoga now, but um, Ashtanga yoga, Ash means eight, Tanga means limb, and eight limbs. So there's, uh, <laughs> we should have them memorized by this time. <laughs> but there's um, Yama, Niyama, Asana, Pranayama, Pratyahara, Dharana, Dhyana, and Samadhi. So abstinence, observance, posture practice, Pratyahara is, uh, oh, sorry, Pranayama, breath control, Pratyahara, sense withdrawal, Dharana, concentration, Dhyana, meditation, and Samadhi, contemplation. The first two, Yama and Niyama, abstinence and observation, they have in um, within them each five additional breakdowns. Those are like do's and don'ts, like um you know, do be happy, don't steal, be kind, don't be angry, you know, don't be jealous, don't be greedy, um, you know, try to be, uh, use your sexual powers for good, not evil, things like this, don't steal. And then the others, you know, it's a system, it's yoga is a technology, right? It's, um, it works a lot better when you do it the way it's prescribed, you know, the steps in order. And, you can pull them out individually and enhance, right? Focus on one. Like you can do some pranayama in the morning to get yourself going. You know, deep breathing or, uh, you know, breath of fire, kapalabhati. But 
when you're doing a sadhana practice, a full yoga practice, you want to have a total experience of yoga. So you're going to do the whole thing. You're going to chant. You're going to breathe. You're going to um, do asana. You're going to do three, um, you know, the three meditational um, stages, concentration, meditation, and hopefully maybe you'll make it to samadhi. Meditation is challenging. So that's what I learned. You know, my, my teacher gave me a total experience of yoga. That's what I share with people. If I'm going to separate it out, it's going to be a workshop on pranayama. And other teachers, like sometimes in the West, people don't want to know about the cultural heritage of yoga. They feel weird. It's like, what do you mean, Ashtanga? What do you mean? It's a dead language, Sanskrit, that you're telling me these poems. What's pranayama? You know, and um, it's like, okay, well, have some respect. You know, A and B, just be open and listen. Number number two, I just fell in love with it. But then I love all sorts of cultures. That's just me. That's my personality. I have to remember not everybody does. And I also have to remember if I want yoga to save the world, not everybody is going to relate to all the beautiful, um, you know, Hindu cultural references and the Sanskrit. And they're not going to maybe stick around and listen and get the benefits if 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 that's going to be involved or emphasized even. And that to me is sad. But at the same time, you want them to have the practice. So sometimes certain teachers, they take out the, the cultural references, you know, like the Sanskrit names or the poses or pranayama, and they call it something else. And, and then, um, then it becomes an issue of, is it yoga or is it some sort of like sanitized, westernized? What is it, you know? And I get conflicted about that. So I try to tell people yoga comes from India. And I say sometimes the names of the poses in Sanskrit. And I say pranayama. And I tell them about the eight limbs. But I I try to balance it out, you know, not make it feel inaccessible. And also people have a lot of complexes about spirituality and God. So telling them this is the goal of yoga is to unite you with the divine, divine inside yourself, you know, which is also everywhere. But um not not get too into that in the especially in general classes you know but um but like not not shy away but make it accessible you know but it's hard you have to know your audience where you are i mean yeah. i teach that in a gym right. but then again i live in an area where there's a huge southeast asian population so they're used to yoga oh yeah that, that helps so, you know yeah you know when i go teach corporate yoga at goldman sachs nobody will own with me but yeah. i'll be damned if i'm not gonna own yeah that's what i call intention so that's your intention that might be also your purpose here and you're doing it so yoga is a spiritual practice you are faithful to it it's almost like it a is. devotion thing that's beautiful lara i love that i you know, everybody loves the side effects and I get it. And that's been where the, a lot of the research has gone into, you know, the healing modality part. And that's fantastic. That's just so good. It can only help the world. But let's just not forget it is, after all, it was, you know, it's an intangible cultural heritage. UNESCO put it on the world in, intangible cultural heritage list in 2016, you know, with a bunch of other stuff like flamenco and all sorts of things. So it's an important part of our, our global cultural history. Yes, I agree. Do you teach 
Yoga, do you offer classes online too, Lara? I think you mentioned earlier that you do. I do, everything, yes. All my oh, classes wonderful. are online for Chilltown, yep. So I'll have the link on your podcast profile. I think I have two, yeah, I do have two websites here. It's the chilltownyoga.com and I also mm-hmm. have laramoon.com. Laramoon.com is my blog, yeah. Yes, that's your blog because you're a writer too. And uh, let's see, we're almost at the end. I do have a few more questions for you, the ending questions. Would you like to add anything else that we didn't discuss before I ask those? I'm just going to scroll down real quick in these notes that I wrote. I just feel so grateful that you do this work that you do. Thank you, number one, for asking me to talk to you and for reaching out to inspiring people that have knowledge to share about wisdom and transformation and love and things that people need to hear more about. Thank you for doing this work. And, and I really, I just, yeah, gratitude, gratitude. Yoga was able to really put me in touch with an openness that then allowed my heart to have more gratitude, room for gratitude. And that really is a huge element of transformation. If you want to talk about healing, if you want to have some experience of healing, you could start to develop some gratitude and it can be for anything. It could be for your cup of tea. If you hate everybody, just be like, okay, I'm really grateful for my cup. Anything, start anywhere, you know, because that to me was when I went from being unhappy every day of my life to being not unhappy every day of my life and even being joyful every day like I remember when I was in my yoga teacher training keep in mind during this time my mother had just died out of nowhere she had like stage four uh leukemia my father had a stroke he had to go into a a facility long-term care facility I was still recovering from a divorce from a marriage of almost 25 years um I'm in this yoga teacher training program. I'm in the middle of early onset menopause. Everything is like crazy town. And I am just on the path train in the morning going to my job, which is rapidly, you know, decelerating for me on every level. And I'm in the crowded path train and I'm like in bliss. It was insane. You know, the same level of bliss almost as coming out of that yoga class. And I'm like emanating joy. And I'm like, I'm just like blessed. Plus everybody in this car and all the cars on this train. Like, hopefully everybody will have a great day, you know? And like, and then I'm stepping back and looking at myself and wondering, have I lost it? I'm from Manhattan. This is not (laughs) And then I'm like, this is yoga. You know that this is yoga, you know? Like, you don't have to go back to that cynical thing. Like, that's a defense mechanism. You know, that irony, that satire, being afraid. To, to show this, that you, that you feel this, that you are having this experience, like this really happened. I'm not making it up. <laughs> I couldn't believe it myself, you know? Yes. So then when I like read, you know, I love St. Teresa of Avila. And when I read stories of her, you know, having these, and I'm not comparing myself to her on any level, but when I would have those feelings of like deep gratitude and love, where I would be like, yay, everybody on the path train, yay. I would be like, wow, that must have been on her level of like, oh, yeah, she would have these feelings of like overwhelming love and devotion for her 
God and she would levitate, you know, and that's what I felt like. So happy and joyful that I was like floating, you know, so it's an amazing practice. She also incidentally talked about the chakras, which are a big thing in yoga, but that's a whole other story. But yeah, it gratitude. That would, that would be my one thing to say is develop a practice of gratitude and um, you'll be able to, to start on, on any kind of healing journey that you're interested in. Thank you so much for that message, Lara. Yes, so true. It can change everything. It's been my experience too, a constant one. I also, I want to mention something that I read on one of your blog posts. You write, practice, preach, sit, breathe, find a tribe or go solo. Hold peace in your heart for all beings as you move the body. Breathe the body, be still in the body. So thank you so much for doing what you do. It's a beautiful message that can be heard in the way you speak. I can hear in your voice. It just can be felt. It's really beautiful. Mm-hmm. It's not just delivering a message. You are the message. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> so thank, you. thank you. And my final question is, what are three things you wish everyone to experience before they lose the body, before they die? What it feels like to know that you are not your body. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What it feels like to know that you are perfect, no matter mm. what you've done, right. said, or think. Right. And what it feels like to know that you are loved. Yes, a billion times to everything you said. <laughs> that we are already it, perfection in itself. So true, a gift being in the human body. I absolutely agree. I was reflecting, I think I mentioned here on the podcast, and I have because I write about these things too, and I talk a lot with everyone I meet, that even if we came here and just took one breath, just one breath, that would have been already fulfillment. I really see life this way whatever this is mm. that we call life. So thank you so much, Lara, again, for your presence in this reality, doing what you do with this beautiful intention that you have, the way you express yourself so freely, um, for being open to life. Thank you for everything. Mm, and thank you. Again, before we say goodbye, where can we find more information about you, your products, services, and future projects? Yep, you can visit my website, www.chilltownyoga.com. For anything related to yoga, you can take my classes there. Or you can visit um, my blog, laramoon.com, for learning about my um, thoughts and musings about mindfulness, yoga, and other things of that nature. Wonderful. I'll have those links on your podcast profile. Thank you again, and we'll talk soon, Lara. Bye for now. Thanks, Valeria. Take care. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Laura Moon and her work, please visit chilltownyoga.com and lauramoon.com. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. Thank you again for listening and bye for now.